0: Welcome to the Grace City, Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. 1 Samuel 14, 6 through 13, it says this. Jonathan said to his young armor-bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf, and nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, as armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Don't you wish you had friends like that? You're like, I'm going to go do this crazy thing, and they're like, I'll back you up, heart and soul. Anything you need, I'm there. Jonathan said, come on. We will cross over toward them, And let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up. Because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outposts. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they are hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, here it is, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into our hand, into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed Behind him. Let's read verse 14 as well. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area about half an acre. Today I'm going to be teaching on the topic of the odds are stacked. Everybody say, The odds odds are are stacked. Let's pray. Jesus, right now, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and active. And we thank you that right here, right now, we're going to be changed, we're going to be equipped. We're going to be empowered with your word to go into our lives from this place and make a difference, to walk in freedom, to walk in assurance. Today, God, I speak the supernatural victory across this room. Help us to be empowered with it. Help us to walk in it and be assured of it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 The odds are stacked. The odds are stacked. You know, up to this point, King Saul, he's kind of an interesting king, the first king of Israel. And Here he is being backed into a corner by all sides by the Philistines. And I want to give you a little context into what we just read. Here's Saul being backed into a corner by these Philistines. They are coming in to attack. And it says that the Philistines went throughout the whole nation of Israel and took every single sword, every single spear, except for two. It was King Saul and his son, Jonathan, who we just read about. So you can picture feeling surrounded by the enemy and feeling that victory is not going to happen, right? And so what it says is they have these two swords. They had an army of 3,000 people. And if you read right before the chapter before, it says that the army dwindled and all the men spread besides 600 people. So, I mean, first of all, if that were any of us, you'd feel a little bit hopeless walking into a battle going, What are we going to do? We only have 600 people, and those two guys are the only people with swords, right? So it even says right before that all the Israelites moved out of the region and found a place to get their shovels and their pickaxes and their rakes sharpened to get a point on them, right? Just doing anything they can. You know, Brianna, the other day, she goes on a walk, and she goes, hey, I'm going to go for a walk. It was like 7 a.m., and she goes, I'm going to grab my keys just in case somebody tries to jump me. You know what I mean? When you're desperate, you find anything you got in your power. I'm pretty sure we have pepper spray. She says it's normal. I would, like We have like one of those fob keys. It doesn't even really have a sharp <laughs> point on it. I'm going to throw this at them. Ugh, I get their eyes. But it was funny because, you know, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking the same thing. They just found anything they could. These guys are going out, and they're finding shovels, and they're like, let's go and fight. And so the odds were stacked against them. Wouldn't you agree, church? I pretty much feel this this way every single day. Uh, this is kind of like I wake up and I feel like the odds are stacked against me. You know, when Brianna and I got together, you know, the, the dating time, you kind of talk about all things, you dream about all things, it's all hypothetical. What are we gonna do? And she goes, how many kids do you want? I go, I want two. I'm like, then each of us can have a kid and we can go to Disney World and we can sit on a ride together and each have a kid. And she goes, I want three. And now we have four, right? <laughs> I don't know where the disconnect happened and all of that. Uh, they just kept coming. <laughs> we finally figured out why they kept coming and we dealt with that, okay? You know what I'm saying? Anyways. But we feel it. You know, those, it's those parents that say that line, and you've probably heard it before. You know, like, when it's one kid, like, you got two parents who can handle the one kid. And when it's two kids, you're like playing man on man defense. And then when you get three kids, you move to zone defense, right? Like, I mean, honestly, this is our everyday. We go out trick or treating last week. Um, you know, just to walk the streets of Tampa, we went out with the Loudens and uh, we go to Hyde Park. Can I tell you, don't go to Hyde Park during Halloween time because it is absolutely insane. Uh, but there we walk down these streets and there are thousands of people, thousands of children, and the Loudens also have four other kids, right? So we're pretty crazy, we're pretty outnumbered, the odds are stacked against us. And there we go walking down the streets with hundreds of little miniature kids in costumes that look just like our kids. And it was a very overwhelming time. Can I tell you that? I really think next year I'm buying those flags and I'm putting them on their backs. I'm taping LED tape all around them that flashes their last name, Damari, Damari, Damari. And we're going to know at all times, like, where are these kids and what candy are they getting right now? You know what I mean? They actually didn't get enough candy for us to partake of it. So that was a pretty sucky Halloween, if we're going to be honest. (laughs) We feel that all the time. The odds stacked against you. And it's not a great feeling. But you just kind of deal with it when it happens, right? When the odds are stacked against you, there's not a whole lot you feel like you can do other than just embrace the chaos, move forward, and make it happen. You know, another time that I could think of the odds stacked against us is Brianna, after our first year of marriage, we decided, um, my friend was getting married in Switzerland, and so we thought, let's go to Europe for three weeks and just live the dream, go stay with our friends. We'll go to Switzerland, Germany. Uh, We went to Paris. It was just such a beautiful trip. We love Europe so much. uh, we went, we had a three-day trip planned to go to, uh, to Paris. And, you know, I was expecting getting off the plane and people are just, like, throwing croissants at you. But we, like, get off and we walk onto the street and there's actual uh, human poop on the side of the street. And I'm like, I, that's not the croissant I'm looking for, right? I'm looking for croissants, baguettes, all this kind of stuff. And it was honestly a little disappointing, but we just even said the other day, like, We got to go back because maybe we just had no idea what we were doing. We were, like, very broke. So we're, like, walking through Paris, like, uh, looking for discounted things, which probably isn't the way to do Paris. But um, we got up at 4 a.m. the day we were meant to leave. We had to fly back to Zurich, Switzerland, and then we were coming home. So we had to get up at 4 a.m. And we walked down the the dark streets of Paris at 4 a.m. If I could tell you, don't do that. Don't walk down the dark streets of Paris. There we go walking down. And probably like 50 yards in front of us, we see a group of about 10 guys, maybe eight guys, come out. And they start walking straight towards us. And so we're like, okay, maybe we take a side street. Maybe we do something else. And as we start to hear them start to yell at us and shout at us, my heart starts pounding. And then all of a sudden, we hear people behind us. And another group of eight to 10 guys come out. And they start yelling and shouting. And I'm like, where's Liam Neeson? This is about to get real. (laughs) My wife's about to be taken. I'm about to be killed. This was that intense. And we both felt it. I remember just whispering the name of Jesus, 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 what are we going to do? We looked all around us. There was nothing in sight. We had no idea what we were going to do. We didn't even know really where we were. We're like hopefully going to find a train station. And out of nowhere, as the men come to the intersection and we're in the middle of the intersection, fearing for our lives, I'm holding on to Brianna. We're about to you know, whatever was about to happen, you can let your imaginations go. All of a sudden, this cab comes out of nowhere, like out of nowhere, and it pulls right in between. Wow. I mean, there we were looking everywhere, doing this the whole time. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? A cab goes right there. We open the door. We throw our bags in. We hop in. We go, take us to the train station. It was such a crazy moment because feeling the odds so stacked against us, and yet God come through in such a practical way. And you could see it was God. It didn't make any sense. We had no idea where this thing came from. It was a miracle what God did in that moment. God is a God, is a God who doesn't matter what kind of odds are stacked against you. He's still faithful, and he's victorious, and he's triumphant. And I tell you what, that's the God we serve, and you can trust in that. Amen? Amen. See, when we're going into situations, we often look at our past experiences as a reflection of what's going to happen. Well, I've seen this and Taken, so that's probably what's going to happen right here, right? And we neglect to have maybe the faith to believe that God could provide in those situations. And, you know, I think that really uh, the best thing to do in moments is just to walk in faith. When you talk about Jonathan and his armor bearer, they would have been thinking, and even Saul with his army, they would have been thinking on past times, we do not have enough people. There is too big of an army. The reality doesn't make any sense, but can I tell you that the reality shouldn't shape our faith? The reality of a situation shouldn't shape our faith. Our past shouldn't shape our faith. We should press into God, have faith, and believe that he can deliver in those moments, and so that's what happens here, and uh, can I, Noah, can you come up here real fast? Can you come around? Give it up for Noah playing drums. He's incredible. Love Noah. Uh, Noah, you're going to be ar- my armor bearer, okay? okay? Thank you. This is armor bearer Noah, everybody. Um, so you get the shovel, okay? He's going to have a shovel. I'm going to have a sword, right? A little bit of an unfair fight. And, you know, I just want you to picture how silly and ridiculous this is. So Jonathan gets this idea. Hey, we're going to go. To this outpost, we're going to leave without the king's permission, and we're going to go to this outpost, and we're going to try to take down an outpost by ourselves, and you go, I'm with you heart and soul, here's my shovel, I got my, I got my sword, we're going to go defeat an army together, right, and so we walk, and we go, and if we were to pick out 20 people right here, the odds are completely stacked against us, it makes no sense with reality of what's about to happen, he's got a shovel, digging our graves, and I got a sword, and we're coming in ready to fight, right, are you with me, church? This doesn't make sense at all. And he says this, he goes, if they tell us, (laughs) if they tell us to come up to them, then we'll know that the Lord has delivered us into his, into his hand, into our hand. And he goes, but if they tell us to stay, then we'll stay, right? And what do they do? They tell, go up. So I'm like, grab your shovel. We're going up. We start climbing the wall. God delivers them into the hand. And in that moment, they killed all of the people in that place. Aren't you grateful for my armor bearer? I want you to understand the power of this, right? Understand the power of the odds stacked against. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, Yeah, with God, it doesn't always have to make sense. I love you, bro. Thank you so much. Thanks for your shovel. I appreciate it. With God, the odds are on your side. You could go into any fight, any battle, mental, physical, emotional. You can go into your job, to your business, and know that even though it looks like the odds are stacked against you, the God of heaven and earth has delivered the enemy into your hand. Right here in the scripture, the word hand actually, it's a Hebrew word. It's called yod, and it means power or possession. So he didn't just say, hey, he's just going to deliver us into his hand. He said to his armor-bearer, He's going to deliver us. He's going to deliver these people into our power and into our possession. Isn't that so powerful? See, you have power and possession over the enemy. And this is what the scripture says. And I want you to hear this today and be empowered by the word of God. That in Philippians 4.13 is, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. In Romans 8.13, it says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? He's delivered the enemy into your hand, and you have power and possession over that. Second Corinthians 2.14 says, but thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. You have power and possession over the enemy. In 1 Corinthians 15.57, it says, but thanks be to God, who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in Romans 8.37, it says this, knowing all these things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You have power and possession. Everybody say power Power. and possession. If we were just talking about the victorious power of God, we could stop our message right here. I could tell you all to go to Starbucks, get your red cups now because you all want one. And we could end this right here. We could pray for victorious power in your life. But aren't you grateful that God isn't just the God of enough? There's still a massive battle to be won. Our God is not just the God of enough. He's the God of above and beyond. He's the God of immeasurably more. And we can't walk into every battle just thinking, he's going to meet me where I'm at and this is just enough. He's got more in store for you. He's got more victory in store for you. So we're going to pick back up our story. In 1 Samuel 14, 15 through 23, it says this. Then panic struck the whole army in the camp, And the field and those in the outposts and the raiding parties. The ground shook and it was a panic sent by God. Can we just talk about how freaking rad that is real fast? Amazing. Panic struck. The ground shook. It is so powerful to see how God doesn't just leave it at the 20 people in the outpost. But but he said panic struck and the ground shook and it was sent by God. Saul's lookouts. Beth. And Benjamin saw the army melting away in all directions. Then Saul said to his men who were with him, muster the forces and see who has left us. When they did, it was Jonathan and his armor bearer who were not there. Saul said to Ije, bring the ark of God. At that time, it was with the Israelites. While Saul was talking to the priest, the tumult in the Philistine camp increased more and more. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all his men assembled and went into battle. They found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. Those Hebrews who had previously been with the Philistines had gone up with them to their camp and went over to the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. When all the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on the run, they joined them in battle, in hot pursuit. So now the whole power of the army, the 3,000 people came back together. So on that day, the Lord saved Israel and the battle moved on beyond Beth-Avon. So you have, we have to understand that there is above and beyond victorious power in God and it is on your side and he is fighting on your behalf. And we need to expect that kind of victory. Can we, like, put a line in the sand and cross over and say, it's time to walk in expectation rather than just walking in the defeat of what the reality might tell us? You know, it it says, uh, Joel Osteen says this line, and I love it. He says, you cannot expect victory and plan for defeat. You cannot expect victory and plan for defeat. So don't plan your defeat. Keep reaching past reality, lean into scriptures, into the supernatural power of God, and expect that God is going to come through. We can expect that there is no bottom and no limit and no end. You know, it's kind of interesting. We actually all in our humanity expect more. It's kind of like you, you go to McDonald's and you like are digging for the extra fries at the bottom of the bag, right? We expect more. Uh, another example is the, I don't know who the first lazy person was that goes, I'm not going to wrap this gift, but I'm going to put it in a bag and then I'm going to stuff in a bunch of tissues and then go like, I wrapped your present, right? I don't know who did that, but you know what happens? We all have done this before. Uh, instead of taking out the paper, I don't know why we do this. We just reach past it and then you like grab out a present and you're like, oh my gosh, it's so sweet. Thank you. And then you reach in again, right? Anybody else? And you reach reaching again. And usually, people put multiple presents in that one bag, right? That's kind of the strategy of it. But we keep expecting more. And also what happens is at the end, then you finally take out all the tissue paper and you kind of do the sweep of the bag. Anybody else? Am I alone in this or is anybody else? Casey's over here sweeping the bag. We really do expect more. Our humanity, we want more. Why? It's kind of in, in our being. We just always think there should be more, more to what's coming. We always look and, you know, we'll will look at our, our situations and hope that there's more. It's the hope that's within us. We need to have that kind of expectation of God because that's what he says he'll do. He'll do immeasurably more than we can ask, seek, or imagine. So we need to have that kind of expectancy of God expecting the victory that he has for us. In Ephesians 1:18 through 23, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope Which he has called you the richest of his glorious inheritance of his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms. Far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age but the one to come. And God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything in the church, which is his body and the fullness the and the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Above and beyond power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. That same triumphant power that sent him to the cross and yet he raised off out of the grave lives right inside of us. And we can walk in that. So... You know, really the reality of our lives, though, is we're not usually walking up to battles where we see the enemy and we have a sword and a shovel and we're like, this is my battle today. Right. That's not our reality today. I mean, maybe for some of you, but, you know, most people probably not. You know, it's, we're not naive to understand that we fight a very real enemy, right? Yeah. And we're fighting against very real things. And maybe even in this room, you hear me talking and you're like... I don't have a Philistine outpost of uncircumcised men to go approach, but maybe I'm struggling with depression and anxiety. A very real thing that you're going through. Maybe it's financial difficulties. You walked in here and you need a move of God in your finances. Maybe it's health struggles. You got a report, a bad report this last week. Maybe even someone in here has a family member who got a report of cancer this last week. Relational despair, feeling lonely and hopeless. Maybe it was abuse in your childhood or even now you're going through it. It's a very real thing that people are going through, even in this room. It could be addictions and you've been trying to fight off the same thing, the same thing over and over again and you just feel so hopeless maybe. Maybe it's a family member's salvation. You've been praying for years that this person would come to Jesus breakthrough, maybe your children have wandered off, disunity in marriage, business issues. These are the things we all face, right? Right. It's the reality of the world we live in today and the things that we go through. And it's very important that we understand the enemy. We understand his tactics. We understand his moves. We understand how he's going to try to attack us so that we can fight properly and fight back. In The Art of War, it's a very popular book. It, there's this quote that says, know your enemy, know yourself, and your victory will never be in danger. Know the ground, know the weather, and your victory will be total. So who's the enemy? Can we talk about this just for a second? I want to take a second to kind of go off of the, the faith trip of he's above and beyond, and I want to talk about the, the enemy that we're facing. And for centuries, the church has been preaching this idea That the enemy is not just the devil, which it is. He's the schemer. He's the one who creates sin. He's the one who created the divide. Yet, what we also face is the world. We face the flesh, and we face the devil. It's not every day when you're actually going through something that the devil himself is actually coming at you. Right? right? Maybe it's the flesh. Maybe it's the world we live in. We live in a a fallen world, and, and that's the reality. And scriptures, to back this up, Ephesians 6 in verse 12, it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities and against powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. So that's the devil. In Ephesians 2, uh, verses 2 through 3, it says this, you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work in you, those who are disobedient and all of us who also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest we were by nature deserving of wrath and then also in john 1 john 2:15 through 16 do not love the world or anything in the world if anyone loves the world the love for the father is not in them for everything in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the father but from the world. See, we have to understand that there are very real enemies trying to steal, kill, and destroy, and even the devil will stop at nothing to create a world that's so broken, a a people that is so even broken, a, a flesh that's so broken that to try to keep you from the promised victory. So we have to combat this in some way, right? We have to come against it in some way. It's not just walking out defenseless and going, all right, Let's go. We're going to make this happen. No, God gives us very practical ways in which we can see victory and defend ourselves against the enemy when he comes with his schemes, when he comes with his plans. we got to defend ourselves and then expect the victory as we're defending. Are you with me, church? So Ephesians 6, 13 through 18. I know there's a lot of scripture, but I, I want you to capture the power of God's word today in this. But... It says this, that therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up a shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Then take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. You can see the power in this. You can see the power of the defenses we can put on. The enemy can't even put you into a corner when you walk in the armor of God. He can't even back you into a corner where you need to play defense anymore. You're playing offense at that point because you are protected. You are assured by the presence of God and by the promises of God, and you can walk in that. And I love what it says. It says to be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. We really believe that prayer works. We really believe that there is power in prayer. Are you with me, church? I'm gonna invite the band to come back up, and I wanna talk for a second about King Saul. King Saul was this man who was the first king of Israel. He was a very prideful man. Uh, In many ways, he had this big downfall where he decided that he was going to rush God's plan and he was going to sacrifice rather than be obedient to what God had called him to do. And that was the time in which he lost the throne of Israel. It says the anointing passed along to David. So here's Saul, a very broken king, already had been told that he is going to lose his throne, so confused and still wanting, if you will, the glory of being king. Wouldn't you agree? Here he is, lost, hurting, prideful, and broken. And we read this in, we read this in 1 Samuel 14, 18. It says, Saul said to Aijah, bring the ark of God. And while Saul was talking to the priests, the tumult in the Philistine camp, the confusion in the camp increased more and more. Catch this. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. Then Saul and his men assembled and went into battle. That, it stopped me this week as I was studying and reading over this. Why did it say withdraw your hand from the ark? He, he asked him to put his hand on the ark to intercede for God's people. And then he says this line right before they go into battle, take your hand off the ark. So I tried to do some research. There honestly wasn't a whole lot, but Matthew Henry's commentary says he was telling the priest to stop inquiring of the Lord. Are you with me, Church? Yeah. Here comes Saul in Saul likeness, getting ready to go into one of the biggest outnumbered odd stacked against him battles. And he decides to remove the hand from inquiring of the Lord. Aren't you grateful for God's grace? I can't tell you how many times that I have in my life chosen to remove my hand to try to do it in my own strength. God's grace supersedes our iniquities. And there he meets the Israelites in battle. The ground shakes. Confusion strikes. And they walk into battle. And the Philistines are killing each other. Only something God could do. So in his... Downfall, God still was faithful. Somebody needs to hear that today. Yeah. In his low point, God was still faithful, but... You know that word, Yod is the same word that's used right here. The Yod, the power and possession, he's delivered the enemies into our Yod. It's the same Yod that was used when he says, take your hand off of you. Mark the Covenant. So remove your hand from the power and possession of God. I wonder, as you read through the rest of Samuel and 2 Samuel, you read through the stories of King David and even the, one of the most famous ones when he had to face the Philistines and there was a giant. I wonder if those stories would have even been in there if Saul would have kept his hands in the presence firmly. If you would have held on to the power and possession of God's presence, would they have not only run them out of the land or would they have defeated the Israel or the entire Philistine army at that time? I wonder. Because if you walk in the power and possession of the presence of God, if you walk in the full assurance of prayer and you ask God for the big things, can I tell you that nothing will be impossible for you? You just need only to firmly plant your hand in the presence of God, giving him all the glory, giving him all the honor, saying, this isn't about me. I don't want victory for my sake. I want victory for your sake. I want victory for my friends to know you. I want victory so that people can see you. Jesus, would you stand to your feet? What a backwards idea to go into battle and get on your knees but here we are I tell you what the odds are stacked in your favor doesn't matter what reality's told you doesn't matter what your past has said it doesn't matter your experiences the odds are stacked in your favor in Jesus mighty name the odds are stacked in your favor right now would you just raise your hands God, you see every hand in this place. You know our innermost being. You know our struggles. You know our thoughts. You know the things that we battle. You know the financial hardships. You know the health hardships in this place. You know the relational brokenness in this place. You know the abuse. You know the heartache. You see the battle in front of us. We claim your victorious supernatural power over every single person. And we place the armor of God on our lives. We stand in defense against the enemy. We expect victory over every single thing. I believe provision in this room right now for everybody facing financial difficulties. I believe that relationships are coming back together right now. They've been broken. There's been a communication divide. And right here, right now, that is broken by the mighty name of Jesus Christ. The lost ones who have run away in your family. The friends who have run away from Jesus. Right now, God is speaking. He is moving. The odds say He's not coming back. But I tell you what, today, the odds are stacked in your favor. And they are coming back to Jesus. Those of you who have a bad report with your health. I speak life, I speak the blood of Jesus over your life right now, that you would find healing, that you would find restoration, that your body would come into alignment with the word of God that you are healed by his stripes and what he did on the cross those of you struggling with addictions with hang-ups with hurts right now they would be broken in the presence of the Almighty God so would you reach your hand out would you put it in the presence of God would you stand right here and would you claim the victory that Jesus has for you come on let's sing this out full of faith believe Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.